Well, good morning. So good to see everyone here. I hope that you've already been encouraged and blessed by being here and uh, look forward to our, our study today. We're going to be in the latter part of Matthew chapter 9, so you might go ahead and start turning there. If you're a visitor, we want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here, and we hope that you can stay for a little longer after this so that we can get to know you. And uh, if you're looking for a church home, I'm going to be in the back after this is over, and I'd love to talk to you, answer any questions you might have, and make sure that you are able to get plugged in. This uh, special day, if you look on the calendar, there's two things that the calendar people really want you to know about. And one is that it's Super Sunday. I think that there's a game today. I don't know if anyone's really going to be pulling for it. In fact, I'm interested, is, is anybody pulling today for the 49ers? Okay, we got a few. Anybody, anybody uh, interested in the Chiefs? Okay, we got a few for the Chiefs. Let me ask you this. Who really wants the commercials to be great? All right, I think the commercials might win, okay? But so it's Super Sunday, but also today is Groundhog Day. I don't know if anybody cares about that, but I heard the, the Groundhog um, indicated that there's going to be an early spring, and so if anybody cares, uh, that's, that's just there for you. But uh, speaking of calendar, I hope that you circle next Sunday. Be here next Sunday. We have a special treat. Forey Grove is going to be coming back, and he's going to share from the pulpit uh, on Sunday, and I really would love for all of you to be here and be part of that. So kind of be praying about that and making plans to be here. We're in a series called Plug In. And we're wanting everyone to be plugged in in ministry, but we're also wanting us all to go deeper in our walk with Jesus. We're talking about discipleship, and we're looking at Matthew's gospel and how Matthew really focuses on how Jesus trains his disciples. And um, I, I, I pray that you're able to really be challenged by the scriptures that we're looking at here in this series. But today I'd like to begin with a question. And the question is, in your estimation, is the world ordered well? In your estimation, is the world ordered well? For me, it's been a, it's been a heavy week. Um, watching the news, visiting with friends, visiting with people that are part of our church family. It seems like there's been a reminder one right after another that this world is not ordered well. There's tragedy. Stories of, of hunger, disease, death. There's anger. There's discord. There's rejection. And as I've processed all of this this week and and watching the news and in these conversations, I've realized that we have several options on how to deal with this. And some people people choose to put their faith in the fact that uh, this is just an 
the, the world that we're in is just the part of an evolutionary process. And, and really there's not a whole lot that we can do about it other than just to do everything we can to make sure that, we're, that we have protected ourselves because the strong survive in that worldview. And there are others who choose the worldview, realizing that there is a spiritual world and, and there's, there's many gods, there's many spirits. And so, so the, the, the object of, of uh, our life then is to make sure that we find out what pleases that particular God or that particular spirit so that we can do those things and make sure that that deity looks upon us with favor. Or we can choose to believe that, that our world was created by a God, a loving God, who sent Jesus into this world to live as a human being, put on flesh and, and blood, and to be able to be part of God's plan to take a world that's been corrupted by sin and put the pieces back together again and into a into a new heaven and a new earth. And this is what I choose to believe in. I choose to live in hope. And that hope is something that is greater than myself. And so our text today really has spoken to me in a special way this week. And so we're going to be looking at this text starting in the end of Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35 where Matthew records that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. This was the NIV. The NIV chooses the words harassed and helpless, but you probably have your own version, versions that might use the words like troubled or downcast, distressed, dispirited, confused. Jesus saw the crowds and had compassion on them. And, and Matthew, in this verse, gives us a glimpse into Jesus' heart. You see, we've seen a lot of what Jesus has done. We've seen him show power. We've seen him show authority. But Matthew opens the window to Jesus' heart, and we're able to see that when Jesus saw that the world was not ordered in a, in a good way, that Jesus had compassion. And so... When we move past chapter 9 into chapter 10, Matthew makes a shift. It used to be in Matthew, in, in, in the chapters right before this, that Matthew focused totally on Jesus. And we saw what Jesus did, what Jesus taught. We saw the power and the authority of Jesus. But now we begin to see the focus shift. Not just Jesus, but it's also Jesus and his disciples. And so let's keep reading and notice what happens next. Jesus is filled with compassion, and then he said to his disciples, the harvest 
is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus is filled with compassion. He sees the crowd. He sees the world that's not ordered well. And and he says to his disciples, I want you to pray. I want you to ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers out into the harvest so that they might be able to find that hope, so that they might be able to learn about the kingdom. These disciples have been following Jesus all along, but the focus has been totally on Jesus. And now, and now Matthew wants us to see the disciples as well, the, the disciples that have been listening to Jesus proclaim the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And, and they've been watching as Jesus has lived out his teaching by healing the sick, by casting out demons, and by offering forgiveness. But now Jesus calls his disciples into this mission as well. And he begins by saying, I want you to bear this burden as well. I want you to live with compassion. Compassion for a world that's not ordered well. I want you to love what I love, Jesus says, and I want you, I want you to love those that I love. And so Jesus calls the disciples into this mission, this mission to join God in putting the world back together again. And as I've studied this text this past uh, several days, I've really been t- uh, intrigued by what Jesus does because Jesus seems to put three components together in a sacred rhythm. And so we're going to look at that this morning, this sacred rhythm. These, these components that are ordained by Jesus for those who want to be his disciples. And, it, and it's not It's not enough just to see them once. It's a rhythm. It's like like the waves that just continually keep coming in and crashing on the shore over and over and over. This sacred rhythm that Jesus gives his disciples. So first of all, I wrote in my Bible, next to verse 38, that every mission begins with prayer. Prayer is the first component of this sacred rhythm because because Jesus looks at his disciples. He's seen the crowd. They're like sheep without a shepherd. He's filled with compassion on them, but rather than Jesus doing something right then, he turns to his disciples and he says, I want you to pray about this. I want you to, to be burdened as well. And I want you to take that burden to the Father. Prayer is this crucial part of the sacred rhythm. But then if you keep reading, you see the second part. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. He called all of them together to be with them, to be with him. All of them. He didn't call them one at a time. He called them all together to surround him 
And he gave them this mission. He gave them this authority. He gave them this confidence. He encouraged them. He gave them the vision to go out and to live on mission. And then the third component of this sacred rhythm is that these 12 Jesus sent out. Now, if you read the rest of chapter 10, you can see all the instructions that were given. But Jesus looks at these 12, and and they're probably not a real impressive group of people that Jesus had assembled here. But he said, I'm sending you out with authority. He said, I want you to take the words that you have heard me say and say that. You're to go out with the words of Jesus, that the kingdom of heaven is near. And and what you have seen me do, I would like for you to do that as well. I would like for you to bring healing. I would like for you to bring freedom. I would like for you to bring cleansing. He said, you know, it's going to be difficult. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to need to be wise and observant. But remember, you are representing me. You're going out as sent ones. That's what the word apostle means. You're going out as my sent ones to live and to serve in my name. And you're going to think that you're going to be unprepared. You're going to think that you're not going to be able to do this, that the task is too great. You're not going to have the right words to say when you find yourself in a difficult situation. But Jesus says, the Holy Spirit, you, you will be given the words to say at the proper time. So let's go and look closer at this sacred rhythm and what this tells us. First of all, prayer. Our response to a prayer, our response to a world that is not ordered correctly, that is not ordered well, is to pray. Every mission must be rooted in prayer. And Jesus wants his disciples, he wants us today, he wants us to be burdened with that, to feel the pain, the hardship, the suffering as we look out into the world, to feel that burden, but not just to separate ourselves from it, but to engage in that by being intercessors, by being prayer warriors by seeing the world with God's eyes and loving the world with God's heart. In fact, when we pray, we've talked about this before, but when we pray, it's as if we are living in two realms, two dimensions. We have one foot in the physical world, and we have one foot in the spiritual world. We live with the reality that we are are in both of these realms together. And so we live as intercessors. We, we realize that we're not in control. We realize that there's accidents, there's disease, there's rejection. And Jesus says, when you see that, talk to God about it. Stand in the gap. Cry out, God, God, please do something about this world that is not ordered the way that it should be. But... As is often the case, God answers our prayers through us. 
Notice, who is it that answers the the apostles' prayer? It's the apostles that are sent out. And many times it happens with us as well. As we see something that causes us to be burdened, it's it's a heavy weight on our heart. We begin to pray to God about it and then we find ourselves being put in situations where God uses our hands, God uses our feet, God uses our energy, our words to be a blessing to others. But Jesus doesn't just stop with prayer. Jesus called them together. He called them to himself. This coming together that we see the apostles being part of is so crucial as well. In fact, the early church, when we read about the early church, they made it a habit to gather together on a weekly basis. And for them, as they gathered together, and especially as they they broke bread together, as they shared the cup together, they lived in a presence that Jesus was there with them. This is a sacred assembly. It's a sacred assembly because Jesus is with his believers. There's not a whole lot of teaching in the scriptures about why we gather together. We can read scriptures that tell us that the purpose is for us to be encouraged. We're to encourage each other to love and to good works. We read where we're supposed to be edified, that it's not supposed to be chaos, but it's supposed to be done in a way that all of us can walk out of here edified, focused, encouraged, with a clearer picture. But gathering together is not something that is easy for us. Sometimes it gets routine. Sometimes it challenges us to, to, we ask the question, why are we doing this? Why are we here? What is it that's brought us all together? I remember a story about a a wife that she was getting irritated because it was time to go to church and her husband was still in bed. And so she goes in there and she shakes him. She says, come on, we've got to go to church this morning. And he answers, he says, look, I just don't want to go today. I just want to stay in bed. He said, you know, church is boring. Sometimes, also, sometimes I I have to do things that I really don't want to do. And there are people there that, that are hard to like. I don't really like them, and I'm supposed to be nice to them when I go to church. He looked at her and he said, Tell me one good reason why I should go to church. Well, the wife she looked at him and she said, well, I'll do better than that. I'll give you three. First of all, God wants you to be there. And if God wants you to be there, you need to be in church. And she said, secondly, you need the encouragement. And when you go to church, you get encouraged. And she said, and thirdly, you're the preacher. Sometimes we don't know why we come to church. And sometimes it's not easy. But I think that when we see that it's sacred, it's part of this sacred rhythm, it gives us a a new way of looking at it, a deeper way of looking about why we're here. 
You know, Jesus is wanting to to bring our thinking and the thinking of people that were his early listeners and the, the early disciples from a temple mentality into an assembly mentality. You see, the temple mentality is one in which you believe that, that God is in this holy place, this temple. And you live your life over here, but, but regularly you'll go over here so that you can be part of this sacred space and you can do things that please the God that is in this temple. But Jesus said that's not the way that it is now. Do you remember the conversation that he had with the woman from Samaria? The woman from Samaria? She was trying to change the subject one time, and so she brought up a doctrinal discussion, very divisive one, and she says, Jesus, I see that you're a prophet. You can tell me, maybe you can answer this question. Where's the right place to worship God? Is it it on the mountain where we say that God dwells, or is it on the mountain that you Jews say that God dwells? And do you remember Jesus' answer? He said, oh, woman, it's not like that. It's not like that. The time is coming and it's now here when those who worship God are going to worship God in spirit. And they're going to worship God in truth, not just substitutes, but truth. The true sacrifice is here. You don't go someplace to find God. You bring God with you. God is here in this place because God, through His Holy Spirit, indwells in your hearts and all of you have brought that presence together in a powerful way. You see, our assembly is a sacred, sacred time. It's not like a temple. Our assembly is not the end goal. You see, when we see that our gathering is followed by ascending out, we view what we do in here differently. This is not the end goal right here. This is to be followed by the sending out. And I was thinking, how do I illustrate this? And so I went to a basketball game, and it gave me clarity. And you're saying, what? Yeah, I went to a basketball game, and I love the way that that Buzz... Uh, Williams, he, I love the way that he coaches. He's so energetic and he's so into it. And then there's certain times in the game when, we call, when he calls a timeout. And what does he do in the timeout? He encourages them. He's talking to his players as they walk up. He, he refocuses them. He said, you remember the game plan? Do you remember what, what's this, what this is all about? He tells them maybe they need to be working together better. He draws pictures on on this little board. They come up with a plan. They come up with strategy. But then what happens? They go back out into the game. I thought about how, how foolish it would be if you just had a timeout. Without, without it being, without this coming together, being part of a bigger picture, it loses its meanings. And if, if the timeout was the end game, who would go? 
Would you pay money to go and watch them sit in a circle and, hmm, wow, they've got the chairs really straight this time. That's good. Oh, look at their posture. They're paying attention. It would be ridiculous. I'm, I'm, I'm pushing this so that we can get the vision right here that, that the coming together is not the end goal. The coming together is part of this sacred rhythm. When you realize that it's part of the sacred rhythm, it changes the questions that you ask. It changes the purpose. Instead of asking, hmm, is this what I want? You know, I, I really prefer this type of singing. I really prefer that. That's not the question anymore. When we realize that, that the coming together is part of a bigger rhythm, a bigger purpose, we ask the question, what, what is going to help prepare us best to go out and live on mission? Because this is part of the sacred rhythm. When we gather together, we get encouragement. We're at the foot of, feet of Jesus. We bring Jesus into every conversation. And we get the tools, we get the instructions that we need to get back out there and to live as Christ's ambassadors, to live out the hope that we've been given, the hope in the kingdom of God. And so you've got the prayer. What we do is powered by prayer. You've got the being called in into the presence of Jesus together. But then Jesus sends the twelve out. Our God's always been ascending God. This is not just a new way of thinking. Our God is ascending God. Our God called Abraham and he says, I'm going to bless you, Abraham. I'll make your name great. But the reason I'm doing it is so that you can be a blessing. You can be a blessing to others. And this, is, this was unheard of. That, that someone would take the blessings that they received and share that with others. Normally you would just take those blessings and you would use them to, to bless your family, your clan, your tribe. You wouldn't think about giving it to others, but that's what God called Abraham to. And then the children of Israel, right before the Ten Commandments are given, God speaks to them straightly and says, I'm making you a kingdom of priests. In fact, your whole purpose as a country, your whole purpose as a people is to be able to live out the hope, the glory that we have in the covenant relationship that we have together, people plus God. And God sent Jesus. Our God is ascending God. For God so loved the world that He gave his only son. And so it makes perfect sense that as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, we too would be sent out. And so this sacred rhythm that we have, this sacred rhythm of prayer, of being called out, called together and being sent out, 
you can't just look at them as separate pieces. If you focus just on one, you miss the power of all of them combined. If you leave one out, then it's inadequate. You get a false understanding of what we're to do, how we're to live as disciples. But as disciples of Jesus, following this sacred rhythm in our lives, we can change the world. You see, there is hope for our world, and that hope is Jesus. And we can hold on to that hope. We can live in a way that others see that hope. Powered by prayer, coming together, and being sent out. So I don't, I don't know how this week's going to go for you. In just a few minutes, you're going to walk out. You're going to be sent out. And I'm not sure how this week's going to go for you. For some of you, it might be a, a week of celebration, a week of great things happening that you're just going to skip and sing every day of this week because everything's going so well. For some of you, you might find that it's a difficult time. You might find that there is challenge, there's grief, there's pain, there's rejection, there's confusion. But the most important question is, what's your hope? Are you living your life with purpose? Or are you just merely tossed about by the powers that you can't see or you can't control? So... I'm going to walk out of here today, and I hope that you do as well. I'm going to walk out today with my hope firmly set on Jesus. And I want to live each day with purpose as his disciple. So we're going to close our time together today just with a song, a song of encouragement, a song in which if you would like to find someone to pray with, this is a good time. There'll be people up front, there'll be people in the back. If you would like to be baptized, then we would love to help you be baptized into the name of Jesus. If you would just like to find someone to talk to, to, to walk with, to find other ways to be plugged in, we would love to help you with that. But let's stand and sing this song together with hope as we go out to live for Jesus.